Yeah, Arglwydd. Dyn gofyn i ti bor yma, Jess, tolli. Dy ysbryd ar John, dyn ni'n gwybod bod ni'n mynd i gael o bath arbennig bor yma. Dyn ni'n gwybod bod ni'n mynd i gael um, geiria cryd. Dyn ni'n gwybod bod ni'n mynd i gael geiria sy'n dod o'r galon Arglwydd. Dyn ni'n jyst yn gofyn bod ti yn llenwi John hefo bob dim ti eisiau fod eich ni bor yma. Bod y cyfan holl yn dod gen y ti, bod o'n graslon. Arglwydd, dyn ni'n gwybod weithio bod topics dyn ni'n cyfro ddim yn hawdd, dyn ni'n gofyn i ti jyst meddalu'n calonan i bor yma. Dyn ni'n gofyn i ti jyst bod hefo'n ni. Yn y cyfan dyn ni'n neud yma, a bod hefo John nhw'n, dyn ni'n gofyn i ti eh, arbedwr rhag unrhyw, um, problemau bore ma dyn gofyn i ti arbed o'r hyg unrhyw beth sydd ddim yn dod gen y ti. Yn enw Iesu. Amen. Diolch. Um, for those of you who don't know, the bright uh, thing shining through the windows at the moment, that's the sun. Okay? I know uh, we're a bit unfamiliar with that at the moment, but uh, anyway, bore da. Um, it's amazing. Dydd gwl dewi. On a, on a Sunday, fantastic. And uh, it's a great opportunity today to just, just revel a little bit in this wonderful land that we live in. And um, my title, the next slide, is half, well, this is half the title. So if you get the next slide up, please, Chris. Thankful for a great past. Thankful for a great past. In this great nation that we live in, what an amazing past we've had. But that's only part of uh, the title for today's talk. We're a small nation with just three million people. Okay, just three million people. Little rocky bit of land on the west of a very small continent of just three million people. Not many of those people, to be honest, have been born with silver spoons in their mouth as well. It's not a place that's been blessed with great material wealth in terms of the individuals anyway who've lived there. There are exceptions, I know. But by and large, a nation of ordinary people. But what an impact. What an impact the people have had. It was Welsh men, say, for example, and women who were inspired the creation of the National Health Service, one of the jewels of the crown of, of this country. And the Bible Society, without, without Welsh men and women, the Bible Society would never have got off the ground. The cooperative movement was inspired by Welsh men and women. And as Sarah's here, I looked up a little bit about the, the US of A. And uh, I was amazed to read that 20% of the Pilgrim Fathers, those inspirational people, were Welsh. Did you know that William Penn was a Welsh Quaker, and he wanted Pennsylvania, actually, to be named New Wales. Tragically, that wasn't allowed, so it was called Pennsylvania instead. Nearly 50% of the signatories of the Declaration of Independence were Welsh or had Welsh heritage. Nine presidents of the United States, um, including Thomas Jefferson, including Abraham Lincoln, they all had Welsh heritage, recent Welsh heritage. 
What an impact. That's just one country. Could pick others as well. But ordinary, this little country, three million people today have had an impact on the world. And I believe there's nothing directly special about the rock here. There's nothing directly special about the plants here. I might say to people who aren't from Wales that there is. But to be honest, I'm not sure about it. Well, what's been really special about Wales is that so many people in this land over generations, so many people, ordinary people, have been inspired directly or indirectly by Jesus' teaching. That's what's really made this country and what's made ordinary people in this country history makers. Wales per head of population, I believe, and I've no figures to back this up. I wish I did. Should have dug harder, I'm sure. But considering its population per head, it's had more evangelists, more people who've gone out with the good news of Jesus Christ than any other nation that I know of. People throughout the world have been introduced to the message of Jesus Whole peoples, whole nations have found the freedom that can only be got through Christ, through ordinary people that have come from this land. Yet what about it now? I was looking through a couple of old uh, articles, and I'm going to read just two of them. One is from... uh, the Daily Post, I think it was 2010, and it says this, sadly, only 2% of Wales' nonconformist chapels will be in a place of worship in 20 years' time. So that would be 10 years' time now. Research by Welsh University shows. A report by Glamorgan University lecturer, Dr. Paul Chambers, paints a bleak picture of the future for the chapels, which have played an integral part in Welsh social history. At the heart of the decline is the fast dwindling numbers of people who now attend chapel services on Sundays. Dr. Chambers said, from the high point of the 1904 revival and the 1914 Welsh Church Act, when there were over three quarters of the Welsh population were well regular church or chapel goers, Wales has now experienced the most rapid and deepest rate of religious decline in the United Kingdom. Nonconformity, the traditional focus of Welsh religious and national identity, has been most affected both numerically and in terms of its influence on Welsh society and culture. Today, its future is growing ever more uncertain. Every year sees a drop in membership in Welsh churches, averaging 4.5%, while the number of full-time nonconformist ministers is expected to drop from 64 to 44 over the next five years. The prognosis is not good, said Dr. Chambers. Mainstream congregations are aging and shrinking. Ministerial vocations are declining. Chapels are closing. And the long-term survival of indigenous denominations is in doubt, he said. What an encouraging talk you're giving them at the moment, John. There's more. Just got one more just to depress you further. 
Church in Wales report, 19, uh, sorry, 2017, sees 50% decline in attendance in five years. Statistics released at the last month's meeting of the government, but a governing body shows the church in Wales is in demographic freefall. For those of you who don't know, that's not good. Statistics released at last month's meeting of the government body shows the church in Wales in demographic, demographic sorry, freefall with only 0.8% of the Welsh population attending its services on Sunday. Over the past five years, every Sunday's, Sunday's attendance for adults has fallen by 15%, while over the 13 years, it's declined by 34.5%. A troubling statistic has been the decline in confirmations. In 2017, only 559 people were confirmed. Wow. I was walking around uh, Llangevny earlier the week, this week, and, uh, well, I wonder if you can recognize where I cast my eyes. If you can see the, uh, that picture there. What a lucky picture. Anyone recognize that at all? Antipandi, just there on the right. It's the bridge, basically, going over the Kevney. You'll have driven over it many times, I'm sure. I don't know whether you've noticed on that bridge um, what's there. No? Well, if we can have the next slide, you probably can't even make that out. It's like looking at some ancient stone, isn't it, to try and see what it is. What is that symbol on the ancient stone in Llangevny, the centre of Llangevny? Well, you can make it out. If you go and have a good look, it's, it's clearer actually in real life than it is on my photo there. And on the next slide, I've actually gone over it a little bit. It's the bridge going over the Kevney. Okay, uh, just just beyond Asda, Sheila, all right, uh, there we are, that's what's written on there, Graffiti. I've never seen graffiti anywhere else like that, remember Jesus, okay, on that there, and then some of you I know who've lived here many years will, will know that probably very well, uh, know that, that graffiti there, I have no idea how old it is, I have no idea who who wrote it. But, you know, sometimes it can feel a little bit like the words on that graffiti, that that mem memory of Jesus is being gradually and slowly worn away and washed away from our land. This land, this land of, of extraordinary people uh, who've known Jesus and spread the word throughout. I want to... Have the next uh, slide up, please, Chris, because this is a, a quote here. And uh, I wonder if anybody can tell me where this quote comes from. The church in Wales is doomed. It is too late to save the church from rationalists. Anybody know where that? I wouldn't have a clue unless I'd looked it up, I'll be honest. Well, it's actually from Bishop Erasmus Saunders. He was reporting on the church in, wait for it, 1740. It's nothing new. There's nothing new about the state of our church. And there's nothing new about it in the Bible as well. Today, I want to just look at Elijah and his story. Uh, 
If you've got your, if you've got one of the church Bible and a New Living Translation, it's page two hundred and fourteen. If you've got a, a Babel.net, it's on page two hundred and sixty-three. Because I'm looking at one Kings nineteen. Uh, just to give you a little bit of background, Elijah had just kicked some serious butt. He had been tackling the the prophets of Baal, and he'd made this great challenge. And he'd done such great things for God, a bit like our nation has done in the past. An inspiration for so many people around him. And then, well, then it went a little bit wrong for him. Just find my notes on this, excuse me. Right, okay, got it. Um, as you can see on the, the screen, it's beyond the screen as well, but I've missed a couple of verses. I'll be honest, it's not because they're not important. It's just because I already wanted to go on a couple of slides rather than, uh, you know, go on too long. But I think it is worth just reading through this chapter from 1 Kings. Ahab reported to Jezebel everything that Elijah had done, including the massacre of the prophets. Jezebel immediately sent a message to Elijah with her threat. The gods will get you for this. And I'll get even with you. By this time tomorrow, you'll be as dead as one of those prophets. When Elijah saw how things were, he ran for dear life to Beersheba, far in the south of Judah. He left his young servant there, and he went into the desert another day's journey. He came to a lone uh, broom bush and collapsed in its shade, wanting in the worst way to be done with it all, to just die. Enough of this. God, take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Exhausted, he fell asleep under the lone, uh, lone broom bush. He felt despair. Elijah wasn't just a bit sad. He wasn't just oh, I'm having a bit of an off day. He wanted to die. That's how hopeless he felt, absolutely hopeless with the situation. But it doesn't end there. Suddenly, an angel shook him awake and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and to his surprise, right by his head, where a loaf of bread uh, baked on some coals and a jug of water, he ate the meal and went back to sleep. The angel of the Lord came back, shook him awake and said, get up and eat some more. You've got a long journey ahead of you. He got up, ate and drank his fill and set out. Nourished by that meal, he walked 40 days and 40 nights all the way to the mountain of God, to Horeb. Where he got there, he crawled into, uh, into a cave and went to sleep. Elijah was tired. He needed a lot of sleep, didn't he? Then the word of God came to him. So, El so Elijah, what are you doing here? I'm here. I'm, I've been working my heart out for the God of the angel armies, said Elijah. The people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship, and murdered my prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. 
We think we've got it bad. Elijah was having a really hard time. He was waiting for somebody to kill him. Yeah, our places of worship maybe have been closed. Things haven't maybe been that good, but Elijah's been there. Then he was told, go stand on the mountain at attention before God, and God will pass by. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God. But God wasn't to be found in the wind after the wind and earthquake. But God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire. But God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle and quiet whisper. When Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face with his great cloak, went to the mouth of the cave and stood there. A quiet voice asked, So Elijah, now tell me, what are you doing here? Elijah said it again. I've been working my heart out for God, the God of the angel armies, because the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed your places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. And then the last bit. God said, go back the way you came through the desert to Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel, make him king over Aram. Then anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, make him king over Israel. Finally, anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, and from Abel Mohoi to succeed you as prophet. Anyone who escapes death by Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and any who escapes death by Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Meanwhile, this is the key one here, I'm preserving for myself 7,000 souls. The knees haven't bowed to the God of Baal. The mouths that haven't kissed his image. You see, the followers of God, whatever Elijah thought, hadn't totally disappeared from Israel. You see, the followers of God, whatever you think, haven't totally disappeared from this nation. From that number, the message of God spread again through its people. Over and over again, God shows he can take less, the less out of hopeless and bring back the hope. Not only that, he chooses ordinary men and women to do it. All the odds stacked against them, and yet he produces from that hope givers, history makers, planet shakers, from ordinary men and women. And he does it in different ways each time. Moses, the stutterer who legged it at one stage, became one of those great history makers. David, the ruddy-faced, run to the litter. He became the king, the one who was the greatest king of his nation. Gideon, hiding down a fruit press. There he was, waiting away, called out. Come with this pitiful few people and go and attack that massive army. 
Stupidly, he did, and he won because God was with him. Jacob, the liar, and yet he built a nation on him. Joseph, the slave, became the second most important person in Egypt and probably saved a whole region of people. Mary, the unmarried pregnant woman, brought the savior of the world for us. And the 12 disciples, we put them on this pedestal, which we should. They were great men of God, but they wouldn't have been people that me and you would have picked. I can tell you now. Peter the Rock, the one who denied Jesus three times. <laughs> it's not the rock I would have chosen, which is why I'm glad I don't choose. It's not that. It's God who chooses, isn't it? And God can do it again with ordinary people over and over again. And God, I believe, is doing it again in Wales now. We sung many songs about God can do it again. He moved the mountains. God can do it again. He can do it again with ordinary men and women. Like in Elijah, we might not always be aware, but Jesus' followers still roam this land, and they're still making a difference, and they will continue to make that difference in a bigger way. There's loads of people, but I just want to show the next slide, if you don't mind. You'll, some of you will know these people. Some of you won't. Uh, they're not just all of them people, but they're, they're just maybe different uh, new expressions of church that have, uh, have come about. Roy and Daphne Godwin there, uh, Falda uh, Brennan there, the top left. Middle of nowhere, Pembrokeshire, having a massive impact on there. People coming to Jesus through, through what they're doing and the prayer that's going on there. Then there's the Shrees Fluid there over in Carnarvon. What a great thing he's doing. Been there about, what, 10 years now? And that, that congregation there is, is growing and having an impact. And who knows what's going to happen in the future there? And then um, there's Anthony Jeremy over there in Festival Church over in Tawin, who has a real heart for, for supporting and church planting. And I know there's a, one that's just started now in Frosan uh, Sea from that one. And another one, you probably won't know these, these, but Ben and Lois Franks, they're the ones in the middle there. They just uh, have a vision from God that they want to see a new church in every village and town in the Thronda Valley. Five years ago, they uh, church planted in Tonopandi, and they've just church planted again in, a, in another one, Ferndale, I think it is, in the Thronda Valley there. They're already planning a, th a third one. It's over and over, isn't it? And there we go. 2017, you maybe or maybe have not heard of this. Mission Wales uh, came out of New Wine Cymru. And uh, it's taken there about in nine days. They've been absolutely amazed how many people are giving their lives to Jesus on the streets with them. Doing an old school way of evangelism they're doing. And you know the people who are coming to Jesus through this? The biggest demographic is 18 to 35-year-old men. That's who are the ones who are the most likely to give their life to Jesus through that. Amazing stuff. There's a couple of lady there, but not us, down in Crickieth, are kicked off. Again, they're expanding now into Harlech. 
doing a, a little embryonic church plant there. And then I had Nathan insisted I put this on. This is Cornerstone, uh, Julian and Sarah Richards, who, that's Aldi, by the way. It's an old Aldi. I'd love us to have an Little, I think, should move. We need to be in Little and make a great building there. And this is Cornerstone. They uh, have got an old um, Aldi place nest outside Morriston there. They've got another church plant as well in one of the roughest estates in Swansea. Uh, who, by the way, Josh Adams, you'll, you'll know him. He went on some of their summer camps, and his sister is heavily involved with that church there as well. What I'm saying is there's hope, folks. There's a couple of um, pictures that God uh, has given the church over the years, one of them over a number of years, and one of them that was given when we came here uh, to, to the island. And the one that's been going on for a number of years is a picture of, of North Wales with these little pinpricks of light, separate pinpricks of light. And gradually, the lights get bigger and bigger and bigger until they're flames across that North Wales nation. And the other one that we're given was uh, a tree uh, that had been chopped down, a coppiced tree that looks totally dead and bare. If you've ever seen it, uh, trees, the deciduous trees, you chop them down, right down, and it looks totally dead. And then you start to see these little shoots coming up, many of them coming up and growing to make many new and vibrant trees from that what looked like a dead stump. And I, I believe that that's what God's going to do. It's not going to be maybe like it was in the past with Evan Roberts. And I, I own that. Pray God that it will be. I don't mind how God does it. But when there was these great revivals where one or two people went over and people gave their, their lives to Christ through all this, it'll be little different expressions of what it means to be a community of Jesus followers around this nation that will grow and turn this land again to the life-giving message of Jesus. Even last night, talking to friends last night, it was hearing about um, <laughs> the church in Wales allowing or encouraging Holy Trinity Brompton. Some of you I know were on the Alpha uh, Away Day yesterday. Well, they uh, are going out and opening some of those churches that are about to close, I'll be honest with you. There's one in Wrexham now that over the next 12 months that's going to be, uh, I'll say taken over, but you know what I mean, built on there. And I think, wow, we can read this other article about, oh, we're all doomed, but they don't reckon on the God of ages. They don't reckon on the message of hope that will come again, which is what I believe, because there's no alternative to it. And just to end, to close today, um, some of you, if you were, you were here, there was, a, there was 10 of us when we had the floods, great flood and pestilence. Uh, we did this prayer. It's from one of those communities there, Falda Brennan Prayer. Steve actually asked me, can you do a copy of this uh, for me, John? I probably obviously forgot. Sorry, Steve. But I haven't now because I've done 25 copies. Uh, you were in teams, quiz teams, just a short while ago. 
And could I give these to you, shall I please? I'm going to ask you to get in those uh, teams again, teams, groups again. And I want you just to look at the words of this and pray them out loud. I want you to pray this blessing into this land, into this island, into this community that we live in together. And uh, also as well, sometime, I'm going to leave you up to the guys uh, there, what, what happens. But we had on there a, an amazing, brilliant, uh, I'm going to get his instrument wrong here, so don't kill me, Barry. Uh, cornet, trumpet. Thank you, thank you, trumpet. Okay. I'm so rubbish at music. I do apologize. Uh, doing Amorohid there before. Okay, we're still here. I heard Rachel before talking to OH, and uh, she was saying the same thing to him. Uh, she's still here. Not the baby yet. But uh, it's, a, it's a famous song. It's like the second um, Welsh national anthem, this, really. Okay? And it's got some great words in there, really. And I want you to look at it in a new way. Because sometimes it can be looked purely politically. Sometimes it can be just looked at as a, as a song. I'm very on trend, by the way, because this was number one in the download charts this year. don't know if you noticed this, anybody. Yes, some people did. Very good. Uh, and the words are up there, and they're up there, I think, in, in English and Welsh. Uh, so I'm having a look at this, this blessing now. Because the words are great for this, uh, this talk today because we're still here. All right? And what's more... There's more to come. Because I think the last slide, guys, on there, oh, they're still looking for uh, something else at the moment. But the last slide on here, if I can find the right words for it. Uh, yeah, there is a great past. This nation has a great past. But I'm looking forward, and so should all of us, to a great future. It's not over yet. We're not just hanging on. There's something to build. Thank you.
Right. Uh, hopefully you've all got that uh, prayer now uh, in front of you. And if you could just spend uh, a minute, it's only going to take you a minute, just to, to pray that out in the groups that you're in. Uh, one of you or, or all of you, however you want to do it, but just the words on there, I think are really good prayers to bless this area that we're in. Apologies if I'm uh, cutting across you, if you're still uh, still praying at the moment. Uh, please do take those away with you. I hope that it's something you can look at and uh, and pray periodically, you know, during uh, the week, the next few months, because the more blessings that we prayed into the land, the better, I feel. Um, I know it's, it's five past now, and uh, I know people have to go, so it's the end, really of the official, but we've still got to the um, soup to have. And also as well, if we can just ask Ruth uh, just to, to share a picture she had while we were worshipping and uh, while talk was going on. Hi. So when we were praying um, before the service started, I saw a picture really clearly, but I didn't really know what it symbolized or whether it was relevant to just me or for you guys as well. But then as John's been speaking, I've had a quickening in my heart to share it. Um, I also looked it up because I'm a very practical person. So I'll share the picture and then tell you what I think it means, but, but take from it what you will, and it might mean more to you. So as we were praying, I saw... Um, a light
lion roaring, a male lion roaring. Its mouth was wide open and it was shaking its mane and it was a magnificent sight to see and it was just roaring over whales. That's what I saw and I thought, right, okay, what do I do with that? Um, I looked it up as John was speaking and I, as I had the quickening and um, an African male lion roars when it wakes up to alert the pride that it is, it is awake, it's on the move, and it's a calling of the prides together. It's al also a territorial thing. It roars to um, alert anything that may be lurking that actually it's, it's awake, um, it's alive, and it's on the move. And um, I just felt a real quickening in my heart that actually the Lion of Judah roars over Wales today. He is alive. He is on the move. And he is calling his pride into action. There is a, a, a battle cry going out across Wales. Um, I'll leave it there. Thanks, Ruth. Um, are we having soup now? I'm asking this. I should know, shouldn't I? I'll pass this on to Shona. <laughs> yeah, we are having soup now. So if you can stay for soup, you want to stay for soup, if you make your way through to the community room, the little room where Ignite happens, there's a small little kitchen hatch there that we're going to serve the soup through. But then the community room isn't particularly big. So if you get your soup and then try and make your way back in here... Um, some of us will start setting down some of the things so there's not as much in the way. But if you come back in this way, because there's more room in here. Yeah, if, that's, um, if that word from um, Ruth as well spoke to you at all, uh, then have a chat. We're going to talk about it, confirmation for it. And uh, just while we're doing this, I, yeah, yeah, the guys are going to step up and do another worship song. Uh, by all means, please go and get your soup as well, well and bring it back, and, and that'll be going on. 